0: We are Wrestling Alitas. I am your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside Chris Scott Moore and Sean Nash. What is going on, boys? What's up, boys? Hello, listeners.
1: What's going on? Happy
0: New Year. Happy New Year. I hope you all all enjoyed your holla holla holidays. Uh, (laughs) Please remember to subscribe to our show via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, give us a five-star review if you can. Actually, Chris, I wanted to give you an update. We are still not approved by Pandora. They said it was going to take six weeks and... Uh, That's
2: bastards. bastards. <laughs>
1: Apparently, That's they, don't, they
0: don't want our content. Yeah. Uh, but if you do have a question that you want us to discuss in the show, feel free to add one to the comment section. We'll discuss it uh, on our next week's show. Visit our website at com to get our match ratings and latest articles. Chris actually just posted uh, two last yesterday. Um, one that was covering our Elites Award special and kind of just giving a quick write-up for everything there, as well as then also doing a quick uh day one recap uh so from wwe as we start to head towards wrestlemania we'll probably be putting out a little bit more wwe based content because we're actually going to start paying a little bit more attention and seeing what's going on so we can be fully informed uh, as we go to the shows sean why don't you let the people at home know how tonight's show is going to go
2: yes yes every week we hit you with that match of the week moment of the week news item of the week cringeworthy item of the week and then
0: what we're looking forward to in the coming months and weeks ahead Thank you, Sean. And without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, Chris, what was your match of the week?
1: Yeah, thank you. So my match of the week was uh, the Best Friends in Orange Cassidy versus Adam Cole and Red Dragon. Uh, I thought it was a three-star match. I liked that the Best Friends in Orange Cassidy had a seriousness to them. There was no comedy in the ring. It was all straight action. They had a, a desire to kick some ass there. And I love the tension that's brewing between Red Dragon and Adam Cole. Uh, I like that they had a backstage segment to, before the match kicked off where it acknowledged who they were in NXT, the fact that they were Undisputed Era, the fact that Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly were feuding before. And it doesn't make, uh, or it just makes the storyline a little bit more logical and it doesn't act like uh, that that didn't happen or exist before. And also too, these guys wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom, I think a couple of years ago anyway. So um, it does acknowledge that they have a past um, and it brings up another layer with the young bucks getting involved. And then when Kenny Omega does come back, where does he fit into all of this? So I liked in the match itself that there were some teasing segments and heat between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, kind of looking at each other on some tag ins. And then the big miscommunication with the boot, um, Kyle O'Reilly went fairly even with Trent in the match. I think some people may have disliked that, that Kyle didn't look dominant, but I think he looked fine because he's just a master pro wrestler and can sell the shit out of anything. um, I liked the match a lot. I thought it was a was a very good TV match. I don't have much to say about it beyond that, but I uh, enjoyed what I saw, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Kyle O'Reilly does in the upcoming weeks.
2: Yeah, like you said, um, Trent kind of was kind of even with Kyle O'Reilly, and I think this was kind of perfect. Uh, he came back with a fire after this injury, a whole new look, kind of great physique, this is kind of what he needed when he went to um, the heavyweight division in new Japan a couple of years ago and broke up Roppongi vice. I think that's just, he's really coming into his way. And I mean, obviously the best friends weren't the, the big factor in this match. Everyone wanted to see red dragon. Um, they came out, they, they got to figure out how to uh, film that entrance of theirs because they don't quite have that NXT feel of catching everyone right at the boom. So I'm sure that comes with a little bit of flipping to Dally's place and who knows, with a hopeful TBS debut, new setup. We'll see. But I mean, that's just coming along the ways. Um, but yeah, this was my match of the week too, obviously. Uh, three stars myself as well. Red Dragon's the king of combination moves in the tag team. Um, that DDT wheelbarrow suplex that they did, uh, of oh, the, high, the high low and chasing the dragon. We finally got to see that, Alex. Just great. It's great um fun as some might say on this podcast. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> I I do like that they did start the the pre-match with the the interview with Kyle O'Reilly taking his time with Adam Cole one-on-one and then you kind of end the match with uh Cole healing on the the outside after taking that boot like kind of shows the feud still there from a previous lifetime. So I think there's great things ahead for this Undisputed era, elite amalgamation and probable breakup soon.
1: You know, and and I brought it up before too about uh, how Kenny Omega is going to fit in, but I think where this storyline could go, it gives him a longer time to be out. Um, He doesn't have to rush to come back by the next pay-per-view. He could come back. By all out maybe and give a long time away just to heal up and get right and get normal again because this feud could last for a very long period of time and just what they're going to be, who they are, uh, this could last for uh, a considerable amount of time. So I'm good with him kind of being out for a while just to get better and get right. Um, also talking about Trent's physique too, I he kind of reminded me of Christian in this match. Like he, They kind of yeah. have similar builds and I could see like, oh yeah, how he could break out and do a singles run um, utilizing that skill set or that kind of role.
2: Overly tan, torso with a lot of hair. Definitely, definitely Christian. <laughs> uh,
0: I I thought that the match was really good as well. Uh, first of all, great to see the Red Dragon entrance again. Uh, great to see, like you mentioned, uh, kind of all their combination moves. I, I love when there's a team that just looks like a well-oiled machine, and and that's absolutely what Red Dragon is to me um and absolutely have enjoyed that they're not pretending that the undisputed era didn't ever exist in, in nxt you know there there's subtle nods or you know i think i just saw an ad today for the shop where they just had something where it's the beginning of a new era um you know just kind of using those words to, yeah. to kind of to kind You're of clever. just point things out S- subtle um, yeah but uh no it, it's great to see this Kyle O'Reilly again. Cause I, I was watching Kyle as he had his little bit of a, a feud in NXT and it just, I don't know, it just didn't really kind of click with me, which yeah. um, was a fan of his before he went to NXT. was a fan for most of his NXT run when he was with Undisputed Era, but just when he was solo, it, it just didn't click with me. So, so happy to see them back together as a group. It was a three-star match for me. Um, and really it could have absolutely been my match of the week, but I ended up going with, uh, Ty Conti and Anna Jay defeating, uh, the bunny as well as Penelope. I can't, I can't think of her last name right now Ford. Oh. Penel- Penelope. Ford, <laughs> come on. Everything. The Fords, yeah. Ford field lions. Oh, oh, I, I blocked that last name. My own. <laughs> That's uh, a good idea. But I, I, I said when we were kind of going through show notes and everything that if, if we had a 3.5 on our scale, that match would have been a 3.5 for me. It just wasn't quite a four. Um, I think that in AEW, we've seen that the women, when they do these like hardcore matches, they they really show out. They do a good job. And I, I'm looking forward to them getting to do that a little bit more outside of the hardcore era where like where they can really put on great matches, memorable matches. Because I, I loved it. Um, the way that it ended with that barbed wire wrapped around uh, Anna Jay's arm and then choking out um, and stuff like that. And then um, it, it was an, another hard-hitting Quick match, um, you know they definitely went went after it, went after it. Uh, Penelope trying to do that moon salt onto the table that didn't break. That looks pretty brutal. Um, overall, I, I thought that you know hardcore matches. We've talked about it. It's not all. It's n- none of our favorite thing really in the world. But when they're done well, I still enjoy them. And I thought that this match. I mean, the bunny got got pretty bloody, but other than that, it wasn't too grotesque. It was still. A decent match, and and I hope it's the end of this feud because I feel like they've been feuding since crowds came back, pretty much. Um, but you know, Anna Jay and Ty Conti, I think, are both two talents that I can see holding the women's ch- title after you know Britt loses it in ten years. And um, I think that they just they just kind of took a step forward. They took a step forward in terms of like their match quality in this match, and I, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on it?
2: Yeah. Uh, you kind of took it right out there, right out of my mouth. Um, this is exactly what the bunny needed. I think this kind of gives her credibility to have a future run. I hope they kind of roll with it. They don't just kind of slow her down and give the women's division a little more credibility going further and bolster the the roster that you currently have. Don't go and seek out Marci- Mercedes Martinez coming back and all these other people from possible ring of honor at a, wwe firings i think uh i mean if you guys saw on instagram um or twitter wherever a crazy shot of her at uh, the bunny post match with the blood on her face it's this was her mo and i think she she did it perfectly uh, and like you said not overly grotesque not overly crazy but it was a pretty good street fight i mean that gotch style pile driver however you say it that was awesome that was beautiful uh, the, yeah the way she like stomped on her or penelope like stomped on her with a chair but, good little sequence of moves i th- i think they like you were saying it definitely should have been like a 3.5 if we did that kind of thing
1: yeah you know and uh speaking about the bunny you know the bloody shot of her face that worked for Britt baker maybe it'll work for the bunny and she can sell some gimmicks sell some t-shirts
2: good point good point hopefully on pro that. wrestling
1: tees right guys
0: uh, Shop aew.com. <laughs> that's <laughs> dating
2: get hacked
0: yeah it, uh the bloody photo made for a great moment and speaking of great moments, Chris, what was your moment yeah. of the week? Damn. Yeah, so this
1: was my – yeah, that was a great transition too. Goddamn. Um, speaking of greatness, so I enjoyed that uh, – <laughs> the run-in with, that Jericho did after the 2.0 and Kingston match. Finally, someone acknowledges that it's a shitty thing to do to wait until someone gets fucked up and then runs in with a baseball bat. Let's just say, for instance, we're in Cleveland – uh, Alex is getting beat up, Sean is incapacitated, and I wait till the uh, middle of Rhinestone Cowboy to come and save you. You'd all be a little bit salty. <laughs> just logically, it does make sense that finally someone called this out. And Eddie Kingston really is the perfect person to do that because his whole shtick in the last couple of months has been oversights and pointing things out that fans see. Uh, that if you're subtle and you get it, you'll notice that. And so I think uh, it gives him ammunition, and he works best when he has something to work off of and be legitimately pissed off of or piss off about and be slighted about. And uh, yeah, I think uh, Eddie King said, I'm going to predict it now in 2022, he may turn into like 1998 McFoley, where yeah, he loses a lot, but he's someone that the fans really, really get behind and want to give a title to. And Jericho also works best when he's motivated by a good speaker and someone that's going to possibly take his spot. And this is going to be a good, I I think a great feud, uh, not unlike last year's with Punk.
0: It's definitely a feud that I think flew under the radar when we think about uh, two talkers going at it and promos and everything like that. You know, we talk about Punk and Kingston or Punk and uh, MJF going on currently, but Jericho and Kingston can be really fun and especially kind of the the parallels that their careers have had because they're both over twenty years in the business, but have had very different success levels. Um, but just kind of going off of that, I really almost hope that they keep this trend of like Eddie always having simple feuds. His feud with punk was very simple. There was, he interrupted punk during an interview and they had words about it and then they feuded. And then same thing with this, where it's like, what took you so long to, like you had to wait until they could hit your music and your pyro. Simple things like that, rather than it being some convoluted story or something like that, is actually kind of an interesting thing for it to be almost like how Eddie feuds with people.
1: And jericho's been doing this for a couple of times this happened during that whole um america's top talent feud whatever the fuck like he was running in late quite oftenly now the thing that didn't work about this is later in the show ruby soho came out with you know the billy club and after someone was already down it was like okay we just point out the logic of not doing that so maybe work on the agenting there but Um, I, yeah, this makes sense for someone to point it out and be pissed off about it or think like, how come you're so concerned about your entrance and not the welfare of your guys. And this has been a group that has been around for quite a long time. Maybe there could be some dissension in the ranks there with them as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Why do we need to hear all of the first chorus of Judas before you finally come out and
1: now that we know all the words.
2: Yes. Thankfully, Alex <laughs> really put us in a lesson there. Um <clears throat> you would think, and I, I, I kind of right. hate that uh Proud and Powerful uh have been kind of the just like forgotten redheaded stepchilds of the uh inner circle. Like even um Jack Hager got a little more shine with the, the pinnacle after the kind of blood and guts and all that kind of ended with the pinnacle. I just think, uh, this will definitely be a great feud coming in. I think, uh, Eddie Kingston can have a feud with anyone and he's going to make it work. And now Jericho's back, back from England, lost a, lost a drummer in his band Fozzie, but he's ready to kick some ass with that bat. Uh, and if we're going to talk about feuds, uh, I had a different feud that, uh, really sparked my moment of the week. And that was Brian Pillman Jr. calling out Malachi Black and he appeared on him he uh popped up for a second pointed his finger and he uh then walked away unfortunately the camera kind of caught it right at the end him walking back kind of took a little of that away but i think uh i mean we don't really see live interviews or uh promos with brian pillman jr and he really made the most of it with like this impassioned speech uh, speech about like losing his family members his brother um to whatever happened. And then he kind of mentioned his memory going completely black, kind of a weird, weird note to make in that. But after he got hit with that black mass, I think that's kind of makes me think again, what, who's it going to be from the varsity blondes who joins this house of black it kind of keeps going back and forth of Griff Garrison. It makes sense. Cause he's a blank slate, but Brian Pillman's, I mean, the big names, so why not take the big name and, flip him over i kind of liked that he uh called back to his dad and the only lesson he never knew him but the only lesson he learned was you've only got one life to live kind of morbid but fuck go ahead first in that uh house of black and let's see what happens and then just told made totally better by uh malachi black uh posting on his instagram a uh a photo of himself or in like the whole weird horned mass the color will reveal the hidden wednesday two with a third to come so hopefully this week this means we get some kind of answer on varsity blondes or we see what i've been looking for for weeks in that brody king debut what do you guys think about
0: this little feud that was that was the first thought that I had was to see if you guys had seen the uh, the Instagram post because of him saying you know a second one this week and a third next week so it'll be interesting you have to imagine that one of those is going to be a swerve of some sort mm-hmm. um, but definitely I I have to imagine that we're going to because it's the TBS debut that this is going to be Brody King's debut. Cause you want to have a couple of big crowd pops as they're on their first, first episode on the new channel. So it'll definitely be interesting, but definitely enjoying it. I think Malachi has, uh, he's been really interesting and you're kind of getting to see what he was, what he wanted to be when he was in WWE right now. And, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to see what they do with the house of black. And my hope is still that it's, uh, Julia Hart that ends up being the um, the person, and and somebody even mentioned like changing her last name to Blackheart would be pretty cool since that was Owen's nickname. Uh, So I'm going to completely steal that and say that that's what I hope they do. What did you think, Chris?
1: Yeah, these two are perfect guys to feud with Malachi Black too because they're young. They're not going to be damaged by you know dropping a loss, a a few losses to Malachi Black, and you could also change one of their gimmicks and have them go heal and Pillman Jr. showed some signs that he could be going that way because the whole blackout stuff and not remembering, the fact that Malachi Black just turned away and didn't attack him and do a surprise kick in his face. Uh, There's a lot of openings that they can run with this. So I liked it. I thought it was entertaining as hell.
2: Yeah, they definitely, like last week you said, they definitely reheated Malachi Black. They got me excited for him. Hopefully this even pans out too for Andrade with them trying to reheat him up with possibly Darby Allen, whatever comes next for them. But
0: Yep, and uh, then my my moment of the week I think is also leading to a a feud, obviously between uh, MJF and Wardlow. Uh, I, I, we talk about it every week. We can't wait to see Wardlow have that big face turn, and when it happens, and you know, a couple of weeks ago you saw him; he was like scratching his crotch with his middle finger uh, as uh, <laughs> as MJF Perfect. was in the middle of a of a promo, and you kind of see his annoyance every single time. And then this week the whole bit was backstage. Um, you know, MJF saying, hey, hey, Wardog, you're doing great. Keep racking up those wins so that you can uh, that you can win that title shot at Revolution. And then you're going to give it to me because I, I own all of your accomplishments. Uh, and then brings in Smart Mark Sterling to come in and actually read that part of his contract out. Um, I loved the little bit of as soon as he's done, he mentions something about Jade and MJF is clearly annoyed, says Spears, take care of this. And Spears just says, disappear. <laughs> and then Mark Mark's just like, you got it. And just runs out. Perfect. I love the whole fact oh, that like, yeah. they have no respect for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, I, I love the idea of him just being like every heel's lawyer, even though he's clearly not a good lawyer. I think he's a great character. And um, I love that he's been been able to continue doing stuff with with uh, AEW but it was just another another moment where I I feel like it just got me excited you just you just know that it's coming um and and you you know that when Wardlow does turn it's going to just feel so good. What were your guys thoughts on it?
1: Man talent just comes through right. I mean, you talk about how we in the past, how Cody's overbooked and there's too much shit going on and it's not coherent. How many things happened in this segment? that connected threads, that all hit it out of the ballpark. And it was a two-minute segment of that. Perfect execution on so many levels. Everyone looked great here, and the Wardlow heel or face turn was set up masterfully. Um, just the subtle thing of we don't want you to use that powerbomb anymore and making fun of the powerbomb because they're afraid to take it and they're afraid of it being used on them just plants an intelligent seed that you don't see in wrestling all the time. Just very fucking smart and well done. These guys continue to hit it out of the ballpark. MJF is gonna have to get the title. Like, I, I think he's, he's just gonna be too um, too positioned. Like, okay, it just has to be this way where he has to have a run with it and be the guy that takes it off, hangman, possibly. Um, he's hitting out of the fucking ballpark so far.
0: Yeah. He is, and, and I would not be mad. I would not be yeah. mad to see him be the one that takes it off. Sorry, go ahead, Sean. That'd
2: be good. No, no. Um, you guys said it all great. Um, can't, I kind of always forget that M or MJF Wardlow isn't a member of the Pinnacle. He's just a hired gun of MJF. He's just there to do his bidding, and every his contract is through MJF. It's not a regular AEW wrestler's contract. So, just great to see. I love that ball scratching with the middle finger last week. That little subtlety caught by I think I saw it on Reddit. Um, I can't wait for this to explode because yeah, uh, even that genius thinking of. They don't want them to use the power bomb because they don't want to take the power bomb, like you're saying, Chris. That just—it's amazing. It's so next level thinking to to all of it. So I can't wait.
1: Yeah. So the whole thing of like MJF calling out WWE and possibly going there and hinting yeah. that, which is genius and fun and clever, and it also does okay. It's a meta thing too that um, goes out to smart fans. But I thought of has made me laugh. I don't know. Just, maybe it's just funny to me. But um, I thought of like Wardlow going to WWE and I was like, oh, I wonder what they're going to change his last name to, to be something more WWE ask. And then I looked at his actual name and it really is Michael Wardlow. <laughs> it was just like, give a name. Because <laughs> sure nope. okay. nope. I thought that was the thing that was holding him back. I was like, if he had a better name, maybe it would he'd seem like more of a badass, but nah, his name is Wardlow. So whatever, I was wrong.
0: <laughs> Especially like, hey, it's Mike Wardlow. Yeah. that doesn't. <laughs> uh, moving on to our news of the week.
1: Okay, so my news of the week was the retirement of Keith Mitchell. So uh, on Twitter, it was announced that he was retiring. For those of you that don't know, Keith Mitchell was in World Class. He was in WCW. He was in TNA, and then now he's in AEW. Um, the thing that I like, first of all, the fact that they're acknowledging the video production people and the guys behind the scenes that make this look like a great production. Um, and not to get into tribalism but just watching day one last night or excuse me two nights ago um, one of the things that just does irritate me as a viewer is the constant cuts and the constant zooms and the breaking of the 180 rule and AEW, you don't have those types of um, knee-jerk reaction cuts and there's a rhythm and there's a cadence to their edits that they have so just hoping that that continues but as we go to tbs and they move channels they do have to change the look of their show, I think a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what the overall look of the show looks like.
2: Yeah. Uh, Duly put, I truly not the biggest, uh, nowhere of information on the, the backstage stuff of all of that and producers, but it's good to get, just give a little shout out to someone who's behind the scenes who've kind of made clearly if they've gone all the way back to, uh, you said WCW and, um, would you wrestling classics? Uh, uh, world, world class, world, world class. Um, they've kind of shaped the industry of how it looks and how TV wrestling happens. So best of luck in his uh, future retirement.
0: Yeah, it, it's weird to think that there's like there's so many people in wrestling, not just the wrestlers that have shaped the wrestling that we've seen our entire lives. So it's kind of a weird moment when you see somebody who's been around as long as the Keith Mitchell, and you're like, wow, I've literally been watching wrestling for not even, like I've been watching it most of my life, but not even as long as he's been directing it or producing it so it's an interesting
1: acknowledgement and like in real sports you'll say on an nfl broadcast or a golf broadcast the masters hey this person directed this person's producing whatever they show credits in other sports so they're not going to do that in wrestling because of kayfabe but it's good that these guys get some semblance of acknowledgement
2: yeah it's one thing to say kayfabe and it's one thing to not act like this is not a tv show being put on by a bunch of people in the back (laughs) working their ass off that's not we all believe that But um, speaking of kind of backstage moves, backstage people, uh, my news of the week is uh, WWE's kind of moved on from the old Sunday pay per views to now they're doing Saturdays. At least six shows so far this year are going to be on Saturdays. Um, Obviously, we had day one uh, just the other day, kind of worked with being the first day of the year uh royal rumble was announced for a saturday money in the bank SummerSlam. there's the first night of wrestlemania and then survivor series so kind of all their big pay-per-views that people are going to want to stay up and go see are going to be moved there it's probably likely a move by um nick khan uh he's kind, kind of was working with peacock last year on um getting that and i wonder really if aew's kind of set the standard and people want to do things on a Saturday night and not have to take off Monday or be fucked up to start the week. So it just, it makes so much sense. I mean, I'm This is finally a good decision that they're making WWE that is. So I'm happy. I'm going to get to stay up all night and actually see who wins the rumble. So that's cool. What do you guys think?
1: Sean, don't you mean premier live event?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank I you. I
0: I, I'm I almost threw up when he called it a pay per view. That
2: should be like a Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan kind of thing from now on.
1: I actually kind of like premier live event. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pay-per-views it's pay per views anymore. You would say, I guess it kind of makes sense.
2: Yeah, it sounds it sounds very um, intimate. Premier live event. Premier live event. Yeah, it's like a stripper coming to your house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I I uh, I I like the move. I've always wanted this, and I always thought like. You know, back when, uh, impact was kind of going and they were kind of trying to build back up. I think it was back during like the broken Matt Hardy days and it was before AEW. I was really hope when they started talking about, you know, doing pay-per-views or whatever, I was like, please do them on Saturdays. I will buy a pay. I will buy an impact pay-per-view if you put it on a Saturday. I won't buy it on a Sunday though, for whatever reason. Like I just, I don't want to stay up. I don't want to start my week, um, with a, with a bad night's sleep for, for that. But on a Saturday, Heck yeah! I'm not going to really do anything else. I love that AEW tends to do Saturdays as well. I wish, I actually wish that they wouldn't change it, even on the times where there's like a holiday. It'd be nice to just always have them on Saturdays, but um, it's. I think it's the right move, to be honest. I mean, we we we'll, we we sometimes will uh, critique WWE for the moves that they do and everything, but I think that this one is one that they uh, they. I'm trying to think of like a, what's the wrestling version of like they hit a grand slam. They. Uh, they, um, they they oh, they hit, hit a leg drop. It was a five star frog splash of a move, you know. Nice, nice. So, and then my news of the week. Uh, I actually just kind of changed it last minute, but uh, in Sports <sighs> Illustrated, uh, Mister Okada from New Japan, he has uh, come out and said that he is hoping to face CM Punk and Brian Danielson, and he wants those matches to happen sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we keep talking, you know, with chaos now being somewhat involved with uh, AEW and obviously the forbidden door and everything like that. We feel like that has to mean that Okada's is coming or or something's happening with that. And um, hearing him actually say that and and specifically call out those two guys is is obviously exciting. And I'm definitely just really um, I'm looking forward to how they how they pull it off. Is it going to be on AEW television? Is it going to be a pay-per-view um and kind of what does that what does it all look like how do they how do they set up those feuds what were your guys' thoughts on that yeah i mean i want to i want to meet the the wrestling fan
2: who does not want to see a match between okada and punk and danielson uh three-way two-way however it is uh, that this is that would be fantastic um also in that that sports illustrated article um noted that it's been two years since he's held the title and it's just mind-boggling to me that it's been two years already since okada's held the belt but i think uh this weekend's the, the weekend he gets it back what are you thinking chris
1: yeah i'd love to see him on pay-per-view though um having him on tv is great but it just doesn't give him enough time to warm up and get cooking and i don't think it lets fans see the subtleties of his work because i think fans could be like okay what's he doing with the money clip or the drop kicks And how is that going to translate into American TV with commercial breaks? But I know on pay-per-view, it's going to land perfectly if he gets time. And I think all it takes is him uh, him being Brian Danielson, uh, fucking up Orange Cassidy and picking on him after he loses to Hangman. And you got the feud right there. It's pretty easy. And it gives Danielson something to do for revolution. It just writes itself, doesn't it?
0: It really does. Um, And uh, I just... I, I just cannot wait to see Okada in, a, in an AEW ring. It's just, it feels like since they announced it, we've been wanting, we've, you know, you want to see him and you want to see Ibushi and you're like, is it ever going to happen? And Ibushi always felt like it was, there was potential down the line, but uh, Okada, you kind of knew that they had to create this relationship for it to happen. And so now it's just a matter of, you know, not an if, but when. And just like seeing those CM trunks on live TV, you got to see
2: those Okada bike shorts. No pants little bike shorts.
1: Oh, that would be hilarious if he comes on pay-per-view and mm. it's this thing everyone's waiting for. And he has his old <laughs> fucking weird pajama. 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 So upset. Please no. But you know, that's what's good cool. about this too is, uh, Okada can wrestle Danielson first. Um, and then he can wrestle Omega at the very end of it because that's the pinnacle. And if you start off with that, it, kind of blows his wad a little bit, so to speak, not to be gross and use that analogy, but still uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of just, you know, it, it, it kind of, you, you know, you're starting off too hot and you can let people get accustomed to what Okada does and Danielson will take care of them.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And uh, for punk versus Okada, it could be like loser has to wear pants for the rest of their career or Ooh. something like that. That could be the match. Damn. That could be the step. Could ruin your career. <laughs> ruin your legacy. <laughs> All right, moving on to our cringe of the week. Uh, so I saw I think Chris and I had had uh, the same one. So we'll kind of segue into that. I think this this week obviously was a there was there's some stuff that happened on, on Twitter with regards to some comments that Big Swole had made uh, regarding her reasoning for leaving AEW um, I didn't read her actual article or her, her notes from Fightful, so I can only say what the headline was, which was essentially that she chose to leave AEW due to a lack of diversity and a lack of structure. And then at that point, Tony Khan uh, quote tweeted that and basically you know you called out all of the diversity that there is in the locker room and kind of just immediately dismissed what she said. And then at the end of it said, Big Swole left AEW because I chose not to renew her because she's not a good wrestler. Um so Chris and I both come from an HR background. That's actually how we met. Uh, so we kind of have have the perspective of what it's like to build a, a diverse workforce and being a part of that. And so you know I think that that the first thing that's obvious about it is, um, you know, Tony didn't acknowledge her at all in that. Um, he just kind of completely blew it off. And, and obviously, Twitter's not really the place to have that conversation anyways. Um, Chris, I know you had some notes on it. I'd actually like to kind of pass it over to you to kind of go in a little bit further on that.
1: Thanks, Alex. And so people will ask why we're talking about it on the show. And we'll talk about it because we care about the state of the industry and we care about the performers. And the only way that the industry is going to get better is if we listen more. We're outsiders. So first things first, we don't know what AEW has set up internally to discuss DEI, what initiatives they have. If complaints were or had been made that it fell on deaf ears, if there was any kind of retaliation previously, anytime DEI initiatives or conversations about equity were brought up, none of us know that because we're not there. And it's just fan speculation to project what we think is going on. Twitter's a terrible platform to discuss this too, because race and equity is a nuanced issue. And once you press send on a tweet, you don't control the narrative anymore. So looking at the tweet itself. So people were rightly offended that it outrightly dismissed her claims by pointing out her poor work and wrestling ability is subjective. And the tone of the tweet could have came off by listing diverse leaders and executives and performers that representation was met and that there's no more progress that could be made or that you've arrived at all the progress and representation you needed to make. Um, We talked about this in our chat notes, but in our uh, show notes, but equity is an evolution, not an arrival. And that tweet could have been interpreted that there was some sort of finish line. And then finally, on top of it, he ended all of that tweet with promoting a match with all white women, which probably could be painful for some fans. And so Another thing I wanted to talk about, and not to try to make a false equivalency, but just because it's my story, and we can project how Tony or Big Swole felt about this, but I'll go into a personal story back when I was in a managerial role. um, I heard feedback that uh, my interpretation of someone's performance was based off of gender, and I was horrified that anyone had that impression, and I was really hurt. And not for my feelings initially, but just for that person's experience. And I realized that in their situation, that was all the power that they had. And maybe it wasn't about me, but it was about male leaders in general leading up to that point. Um, the person that I turned to about equity uh, issues pointed out to me that stereotypically, and again, stereotypically, males will list off their achievements and what they've done for DEI before validating or listening. And that's how this tweet landed for me and it kind of strike those similar notions. So um, I'm not, again, not projecting or putting thoughts into Tony's head or absolving him, but I can understand how this would be the reaction because you don't want that to be your brand and you don't want anyone to think that that's what their experience was in their company. And it's difficult to hear that as a manager, because as a manager, you're vulnerable and what you don't say or what you don't do is fair game just as much as your achievements are. Um and so, yeah, to kind of wrap up this rant is, let's uh, say that you, you know you learn by listening and talking and having conversations, and I hope that's what's going on privately, um, because to not discuss this and to not talk about it, um, it 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 doesn't get us anywhere. So we'd love to hear your feedback. Actually, if you have anything to say, um, if you guys want to email us or put in a comment on the podcast. Shit, whatever. Let us know so we can talk about it because we would love to hear your feedback and how you felt about it because it is a serious issue, and um, we hope that things get worked out and that there's better feelings all around.
0: Yeah, and and I, I just want to add one more thing that you had mentioned about the kind of defensiveness or like that we'll, you'll kind of list off things immediately, like that you've done from a DEI um, standpoint as like a defense mechanism. There, um, what I kind of read with. With Tony's tweet was a little bit of one of the things I learned in my first job um, out of school after after you and I had worked together was that you you never send an angry email immediately after you you wait 24 hours to do it and it felt like Tony Tony read that 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 fightful headline and fired off the first thing he could think of and I'm sure if he would have done that 24 hour rule to wait to respond that he wouldn't have responded that way. He would have came with a clear head. He probably wouldn't have even hit send on anything. Um, But I just felt like, I feel like that it just definitely seemed like a knee jerk reaction as like a a defense mechanism. And um, you know, that's just not healthy for anybody and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't push anything forward. So I just want to add in that little piece. Um, Sean, what did you have for yourself as a uh, cringe of the week?
2: Yeah, hopefully a little lighter, at least less actual real world ramifications to decisions you make. My cringe was the Dan Lambert, Brandy road segment. And, uh, again, we see, we've talked about it before. I think Chris brought it up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the men of the year, just they're overacting is just still a little too much. Uh, hopefully we kind of break away from it because that's just become way too much. And I just get turned off instantly from seeing them. um, Dan Lambert tells Ethan Page to cool it on the stripper jokes or they'll get told tired and old. Uh, but then that's exactly what the whole promo continued to do. So you you said it. It got tired and old and I got bored really quickly. Uh, it didn't make any sense that Cody just is sitting there. Presumably, it's much easier for him to come out. He doesn't have his big little... Sp- entrance to come out of he could come right out there and kick his ass for calling his wife a stripper talking down to her just all of this nonsense but yet brother-in-law dustin comes out what it makes no sense this you would think it kind of led to a good match with cody and ethan page i think i gave it two stars um it was a good match uh but you would think that this might then lead to a match with uh scorpio sky for the belts at maybe battle the belts but we're getting a rematch with Sammy Guevara instead. So this feud of Dan Lambert trying to get over Cody, which seems like an impossible task really seems like it because we're just throwing in five different feuds again with Cody with a belt. Now I did like uh Brandy saying, well, I'm a black bitch that fantastic delivery there. Uh, I want to isolate that.
0: <laughs> that sound
2: keep that. That's a little spot <laughs> for like a, uh, what should we call him? Loopers later on uh i again i think it's just another situation of cody being booked kind of poorly i know we didn't want to have to go through this again this year when we talked about it in the Elites, but just turn me off and kind of a less less real world ramifications uh, cringe this week what do you guys think
1: yeah i mean um i totally agree that Cody looks cowardly for not coming out there and it doesn't do him any favors to have Dustin do his dirty work for him. And it really does cement the fact that it seems like they're just making it up week by week and that there's no long-term plan. Um, especially too, after Cody uh, had that video on it, someone's vlog of like, guys, this is all part of a big plan. Like, you'll see it, you'll see it. This Don't worry about it. Dah, 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 dah. And like, if this is it, this shit ain't working. Cause it, it just made him look no. terrible to have his wife be talked about that way. And, and poor Brandys. Is, is there a brand like that name needs a little bit more respect. I mean, come it's
2: out. not that big of a stripper yeah, name.
1: I think not that bad, uh, <laughs> but then our uh, Brandy <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, like you said the Ethan pages, kiss my buns, Brutus, the barber beefcake move. Ugh. Like eh, just not Jim Cornette getting reference after the Nyla Rose thing. Uh, it just wasn't a good move. I wasn't a fan of it. And I think it just, again, took me out and made me wonder, um, what am I watching? And while Dan Lambert is talented and he can cut a good promo, he's just pointing out how much of a dick Cody's character is. And that's not good if he is going to be a tweeter because you want him to have a good side too.
0: Yeah. Did did you guys see that shirt that Cody had on like at, during in this interview before Rampage? Oh, yeah. Uh, No, I didn't. It's it's got three check boxes and it says heel, baby face, champion. Like Uh, it's just so annoying that they're doing this whole I'm not a heel and not a like it's it's so annoying how much they're doing it like right in front of everybody when it's not working and then they're not even having them feud with the right people to make this work. It just makes zero sense. I didn't care for the segment. Um I thought it was dumb how uh you know Brandy's sitting there saying that she's going to beat the crap out of uh, Lambert and, and uh, the men of the year. And then Dustin comes out to save her. Dustin gets a crap beat out of her. And then all of a sudden she's not doing anything like you would, they're crappy out of him and then she's not doing anything. So what was she going to do before then? If she's not going to avenge Dustin at right. that point, it right. just made zero sense. Um, and this is a kind of a separate thing, but that, that was kind of all I had to say about that. I feel like I'm tired of seeing Daly's place. Like I know that it's like the home place. That's where they did co- like the COVID shows. But I feel like I'm so tired of it from the COVID shows. Yeah, I just don't like shows being done there now. And I, like I said, I understand that they that's like their home base and everything. But man, if I never saw another show there again, it'd be too soon.
1: You know what? Though to go back to the Keith Mitchell thing, at least they shot it differently. Like their hard camera was positioned yeah. in a different place. So at least I like that because I thought about that too. I was like, Oh, I don't want them to ever go back to daily space because they've been there twice since, um, you know, the last couple months, right? Like they've, they've been, yeah, they've been there twice. So yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you on that of like, I'd like a new location, but who knows, maybe they have something going on at the first of the year or they're doing a new year's thing where it's a company party. Who the hell knows?
0: Yeah. Um, moving on to, uh, the positive and what we're anticipating moving forward. Chris, what are you yeah, looking so forward to?
1: This is one of the biggest weeks of wrestling, I think, in a long ass time. I mean, if you think about it, we got day one, then you have uh, Wrestle Kingdom two nights, then you have uh, Battle of the Belts, and you have the first Dynamite on TBS and then Rampage is probably not going to be that much fun comparably now with all the other stuff going on, <laughs> but it's a huge week of wrestling and I'm excited for what we'll see. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Serena and uh, Cheeto wrestling again. I think that'll be a great match and I'm excited to see uh, of course the, the rematch for the belt and what uh, esteemed judges will have.
2: Yeah, that was uh that's what I'm really looking forward to this week. Uh, it's, probably going to be just a everyday binge of wrestling. I think uh, even NXT's putting out a pretty good show this week of uh, some like title unification oh, right. matches. Yeah,
1: they have a big show coming on. Yeah, right.
2: what's it called? Uh, New Year's Evil or something. We have uh, Braun Breaker, the, the descendant of the uh, big Papa Pump, Freakzilla, big bad booty daddy, uh, Scott Steiner. I think he's probably his time to take that uh, NXT title from Ciampa and him to go on his way. And then Wrestle Kingdom is finally here. We're gonna get those first two nights to kind of watch on a Friday, and then come on a Saturday. We'll get to watch Noah. Get to see some people probably never, maybe never see again. Maybe see and want to learn about more about them. And then plus that that Brian Danielson Hangman Page match. I kind of think Brian Danielson's gonna win. I think nice. I think it might be a short run for Hangman. I don't know why, but I just think. This is it,
0: uh, man. I hope you're wrong. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want it to be over. I already bought that fucking cowboy shit shirt uh, <laughs> for for AEW I mean, Cleveland. You can what always I, be When else am I going to wear that button down western shirt? Um, no, I think that we're that's, going to Texas. We're, we're going to honky tonk. Like, there's going to be... already. I've already got a Texas flag button up shirt though. Like, that's I can't true. Pay. I mean, and that's I, cowboy I wear enough. Stuff. I can only wear so many long sleeve shirts in Texas. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well, but I, I had my biggest anticipation is uh battle of the belts. I think uh, it's an only an hour show, so it should be pretty, yeah. you know, it should be pretty, pretty much all steak, no sizzle. Um, and it'll give us another, um, another show to have to include with our, uh, with our show review next week. So next week's going to be an action packed week for us from a podcast standpoint too. Um, But I think but I think that overall, like like you said, Sean, there's pretty much there's wrestling for us to watch every single day, pretty much for the rest of the week. Uh, And there's zero chance that I can get through it all. So um, good problem to have, though, as a wrestling fan, right? Exactly. All right. And we actually have one more segment this week, uh, a bonus segment from friend of the show, Scott, who uh, who sent us a question. Uh, and here's, I'll read you exactly what he said, and then we'll go into kind of our responses to it. So Scott said, I was just thinking about this after watching Shawn Michaels, ruthless aggression episode and wondered what the moment was for you that you fell in love with pro wrestling. For example, mine was when HBK turned on Hogan. I was watching semi-regularly at the time, and it really wasn't something my parents let me watch due to the, I don't want you doing those moves to kids at school. So I'd watch at a friend's house when I spent the night. We were watching Raw, and I told him before the tag match started that Hogan would get the hot tag and pin Carlito with the leg drop. I was spot on and thought that I had the business all figured out, and then it happened that the camera is fixed on Hogan as he turns around and eats a sweet chin music, and I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. I was feeling such a genuine emotion in that moment. I truly fell in love with pro wrestling there, even though those wrestlers aren't necessarily my favorites. So the question is, what moment made you each fall in love with pro wrestling? Chris?
1: Yeah, so I wish I had a better origin story, but I don't remember a time when I wasn't essentially a wrestling fan. So the first show that I watched was Royal Rumble 1990, which I will do a uh, review of and we'll talk about on the website at some point in the next upcoming weeks. Nevertheless, um, I remember watching it at my grandmother's house and someone had a VHS tape of the show. Um, All I needed to see was Hogan's entrance, the shirt, cupping his hand with his ear, the fucking posing. I was sold. And then that's also the uh, same Royal Rumble where he and Warrior had their little crisscross and double clothesline. And that was the most amazing, mind-blowing shit in the world to me as a kid. So that was probably the moment that got me hooked was uh, Hogan's entrance into the Rumble and then him and Warrior squared off.
2: Yeah. For me, I don't, I don't necessarily know. I can say a moment. I can more, I, even my first memory of wrestling, I think is just a random moment where someone got hit in the head with a steel chair. I changed the channel in fear my parents were going to come in the room and uh, turn <laughs> right back. Once I knew I had the, the all clear and the shit's awesome. Um, but if I think back to like falling in love with wrestling Probably more of like the career of Edge and kind of where he went from the uh, E and C connection. Uh, I loved his tag teaming and I, with uh, Ray Mysterio. That their SmackDown title runs were fantastic, and then he goes on the Rated R Superstar spin. I don't think I would have really fell in love with wrestling and come back to wrestling in like high school and college when the the cm punk years um if it wasn't for some of the things i saw with him going back to the uh tlc matches with the dudleys um alex's favorite wrestler and um the hardys i think he kind of just molded me into a wrestling fan so i've got to say probably just his early career and where it went
0: yeah, and, and for me, my, my answer is pretty easy because it's the first article I wrote on the website Uh, And that is, uh, it was Eddie Guerrero versus JBL in a cage match on SmackDown. Um, you know, it was a feud for the title. Eddie had the, had the match won. He, cl- he was climbing out of the ring, but at the last second, rather than jumping down onto the outside of the ring, he decided to stand up, jumped and hit a frog splash on JBL which just amazed me at the time, seeing somebody take a risk like that. And just like the emotion of him doing it just, you know, absolutely blew me away. And then, um, you know, later in that match, Eddie is going to escape again. A masked luchador stops him from doing so. And, and as he forces Eddie to stay into the, the cage and JBL escapes, uh, He doesn't realize that the mask is pulled off and it turns out that it's Kurt Angle who was the acting GM at the time and was pretending to be injured with a broken leg uh, so that he wouldn't have to wrestle. And there was just so much in that. It was seeing a crazy moment. It was seeing a, uh, you know, like the storyline of everything. Like it kind of gave me that full aspect. Like when people are like, why do you like wrestling? Like that's a perfect example because crazy move. Um, got to see, you know, a, a true storytelling piece and got to see like a feud kind of starting like, and it was crazy because everybody, I, it was my first time really truly watching and you could tell that Eddie was loved by everybody and like the, the, how pissed the crowd was for him. And then the follow-ups after that, like it was just an absolutely uh, perfect time for me to tune in. So made it really easy for me to, um, you know, become a wrestling fan because of that.
1: Yeah. I'll just say too, it's amazing what gets people hooked and synced in, you know, folks have, um, it's a, it's a spot. It's a certain performer that's just doing their typical old old routine, or it's a segment that has a lot of, you know, overbooking to it per se and a lot of storyline going on. It's just so funny how it works and what gets people hooked for life. And it's not the same for everyone. And it's why shit gets so overcooked and overthought, I think too.
0: Absolutely. Um, but it's what we love. And uh, we thank have. you. Thank you, Scott, for uh, the question. Uh, send more questions. Please keep them coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah please send uh, them Please in. keep them coming. We want friends. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap up the show for us this week. But once again, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Visit us at com for our latest match reviews and articles. Help support the show and the website by sharing our content with the rest of the internet wrestling community. And once again, if you have a question and you'd like us to address it on the podcast, Hit us up in the comments section, uh, wherever you stream your podcast, or email us uh, directly from uh, uh Once again, we appreciate everybody who listens and, and all the feedback that we do get. Rick Rude, play us out, brother.
2: Hit the music.